Our Father who is in heaven, good morning, Father. You are that heavenly Father we all long for. Jesus, you're that big brother we always dreamed of, the one who goes first. Holy Spirit, welcome. Hallowed be your name. We pray in our worship today and in our school and work and play this week that we would treat your name as holy. Your kingdom come, King Jesus. May we follow you. May we help spread the gospel of the kingdom around the world. And King Jesus, we long for that day you come back and your kingdom is here in all of its fullness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, fill us anew that we would delight to do your will. And as others see us doing your will on earth, that they would want to join us in following you. Give us this day our daily bread. You know our financial needs as individuals and as a church meet our needs and all of our physical needs. Oh, and our relational needs, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. You know our sins, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, help us to forgive the ones that have wronged us. And Lord, we pray that you would not lead us into temptation, but you would deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil within us, our flesh, of thinking that we can run our lives better than you deliver us. Deliver us from the world that's always trying to squeeze us into its mold. And Lord, deliver us from the evil one. As we open your word together today, we pray you would teach us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I grew up in St. Augustine downtown, and I had friends who lived at the National Guard headquarters. And between the National Guard headquarters and the cemetery there, there's a wrought iron fence. And once I was playing with some friends, and this kid stuck his head through two bars, and then he turned his head sideways. And so he was stuck. He was stuck in the wrought iron fence, and he's screaming and screaming, and we said, turn your head straight, and he wouldn't do it. So I had to reach, grab his head, turn it straight up, and, and then he was set free, and he was over the moon. Isn't that our story as Christians, isn't it, that we were stuck, he's the stuck free? And don't we know people that are stuck who would love to hear the gospel that Jesus frees us? Listen, what we're going to look at today, the point of today's message, is that Jesus frees us, that Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. Uh, would you say that with me? Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, um, man, I've really messed up. Could I really be set free? And the answer is yes, yes, because Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. Or maybe you know someone, maybe you know someone and they've really messed up and they wonder, could I be forgiven for what I've done? Imagine how thankful they'd be if you went and shared with them that Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. Or uh, maybe, maybe it's not sin, maybe it's death. You know, this whole COVID thing, the war in Ukraine, and maybe you've been filled with a fear of death. Or maybe you know someone who's really, really afraid. Oh, man, we're going to hear today such good news that Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. 
If you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians 2. And if you're new, we're so glad you're here. This year, we're walking through Colossians. And the reason is, it's a book all about Jesus. The whole book is about Jesus, and it's been so good. We're in Colossians 2 now, and um, previously... Previously on Colossians, last week Dave was speaking uh, here about Colossians 2 and verse 8. Remember? Remember how he was teaching us verse 8? See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Paul says, be careful. Be careful of false teachers. Don't be taken captive by false teachers outside the church in our community or inside the church. Don't be taken captive by false philosophies. So how can we keep from being led astray? He says, listen, you need to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus, treasure Jesus, love Jesus, follow Jesus, because if you know Jesus, you can say, that's not Jesus, that's not Jesus. So listen, don't be taken captive. Ah, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Notice the word in him. We're going to see that three times in these verses. Three times we're going to see in him. And if we want to keep from being led astray, we need to know who Jesus is. So Dave taught us last week what? That, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. That in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. If we want to keep from being led astray, it's so important that we have sound doctrine and good theology. And that really centers on the person of Christ. Who is he? He's fully God and fully man and the work of Christ and the work of Christ. And we learned about that last week too, right? And in him, you have been made complete. The work of Christ is to seek and save sinners. And when he, he saves us, Jesus does it all so that we can have it all. And in Christ, when we believe in Christ, we are made complete. Now, what does that mean, made complete? Now, uh, don't you love babies? Don't you love babies? You, you hold a baby and it's got 10 fingers and 10 toes and two eyes. and two. The baby's complete, right? Complete but uh baby. And so the baby doesn't need more body parts, but the baby begins to grow and mature, right? And that's what it's like to be a Christian. When we believe in Jesus, we get it all. We're made complete, and then we begin to grow and mature. And that's why often around here, we, we love to say that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You heard that before, that, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And what that means is when we get Jesus, we get everything. And the reason that's so important is because the false teachers then and the false teachers today teach something different. What false teachers say is Jesus is cool and all, but Jesus plus something equals everything. At that time, you had Judaizers. And what the Judaizers did, they said Jesus is cool and all, but it's Jesus plus being circumcised. If you want to really be a Christian, it's Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus keeping all the dietary laws of the old. It was Jesus plus something. Also at that time, there were Gnostics. And they said, yeah, Jesus is cool and all, but it's Jesus plus this special knowledge. Jesus isn't enough. You need Jesus plus, right? Listen, in our doctrinal statement, we say that we believe a person is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, 
in Christ alone, that when we believe in Christ, we're made complete, we're saved completely. Uh, So what we're unpacking today is that Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. Remember back, remember the fall, remember that God made us, right? And, uh, and, and, And we walked with God in paradise, and then along comes the devil, right? And the devil does what? He tempts our first parents, Adam and Eve, to sin, right? And when they sin, it brought It brought death into the world, right? That, listen, man's sin wrecked everything and brought death into the world. So what did Jesus teach? In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin, and every person who's ever sinned becomes a slave of sin. That means that we're helpless to save ourselves. And you say, well, what is a sin? A sin is a crime against God. Most people don't realize that sin is a crime against God. And we can commit a crime through what we think. That if we're coveting in our minds or we're filled with uh, anger for something we shouldn't, we can sin in our minds. We can sin with our words. I mean, you ever call someone an idiot, have you? I mean, do you drive? Do you? <laughs> Haven't we all said things? We can, we can commit a crime against God through what we say and what we do if we don't honor our parents or we tell a lie or we steal. We have all committed crime after crime against God and God is just. And what we deserve for our sin, the Bible says, is hell, which is separation from God and from all good things. So what do we do? The bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin. We're slaves of sin and we're condemned. But here's the good news in John 8, verse 36. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus came to free us. He came to free us from sin. He came to free us from death. He came to free us from the devil. See, God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And then Jesus lived a perfect life for us. And then Jesus went to the cross. And he took our sins upon himself. He took our sins. He had never sinned. And our sins were placed on Jesus. And he experienced on the cross what we deserve. And Jesus stayed on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished or paid in full. Jesus died for our sins and then he was buried. But on the third day, what? He got up and he walked out of the tomb. And when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he proved that he had conquered sin, death, and the devil. And and death could hold him no more. And so Jesus offers us eternal life as a free gift. Eternal life as a free gift. And what is that? Eternal life is the forgiveness of our sins, all of our sins. What is eternal life? It's freedom not only from sins, um, from the guilt of our sins, it's from sin's power. Jesus moves into us so that we can do life with Jesus and we can do eternity with him. And what does he require of us? That we believe in him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Don't you love that? It's not just that he loved the world, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
The Bible says that everyone who believes in Jesus is forgiven of all of their sins, and uh, they get to do life and eternity with him. Wouldn't you like to go to bed tonight knowing you're forgiven? You can, you know. Wouldn't you rather do the rest of your life with Jesus than apart from him? Wouldn't you rather spend eternity with him than without him? The, the way we have eternal life, the Bible says, is we believe in him. And we love to say that's as simple as ABC, right, where we admit where we admit we're sinners and then we believe that Christ died and rose for us and then we commit, we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord. If you haven't done that, won't you do that now? Or, or listen, when we close in prayer, I'd be glad to assist you. Where we just say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And, and Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life, won't you? I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, and if you have, you know what that means? It means Jesus has moved into you. It means you've been forgiven of all of your sins. It means that you get to do life. You get to do eternity with Jesus. It means that Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. Oh, in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, that when we believe in Jesus, we get eternal life, and Jesus frees us from sin, death, and the devil. Back in Colossians 2, <clears throat> and in him you've been made complete, you've been freed, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, this is the third in him that we believe in him, that we're in him. And in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now in the Old Testament, the covenant sign in the Old Testament was circumcision. Circumcision was a gospel sign. It pointed to Jesus. In, in the cutting away of flesh, in the shedding of blood, circumcision pointed to Jesus that those who believed in Jesus would be freed. They'd be freed from sin. They'd be freed from death. They'd be freed from the devil. The Old Testament gospel sign pointed to Jesus, but listen, we have the reality when we believe in Jesus, we have what the gospel sign pointed to, so we don't need to be circumcised. Let me show you that. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. The whole point of the gospel sign was to point to the gospel reality. What we needed was our hearts to be circumcised. And when we believe in Jesus, our hearts have been circumcised. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. And don't we see this in the New Testament as well? Don't we in Philippians chapter 3? Verse 2, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. <laughs> you know, we live in a time where we really are very cautious at ever like criticizing a false teacher, right? Not so with Paul. How did he describe them? Beware of the dogs. He called them dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. The false circumcision were those who said the, the physical circumcision was what was important. <clears throat> but notice what 
<clears throat> Paul says, for we are the true circumcision. The true circumcision is something that's done in our hearts by Jesus, uh, <clears throat> who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So Paul is saying it's not Jesus plus physical circumcision equals everything, because he says when we believe in Jesus, our hearts are circumcised and we are freed from sin and death and the devil. This passage <clears throat> is very theological, and Paul turns from the Old Testament gospel sign, which was circumcision, and now he moves to the New Testament gospel sign, which is baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. The New Testament gospel sign is baptism. When water's poured over someone's head, it's a picture of, of how Jesus frees us from sin and death and the devil. It's a picture of how our sins are washed away by the blood of Christ. It's a picture of how we're given the Holy Spirit so we can walk in newness of life. When we're baptized into Christ, we have died with him. Our sinful nature died with him, and we've been raised up to walk in newness of life. So I want you to understand the Old Testament gospel sign was circumcision, and the New Testament was baptism. Uh, they're both one-time event, events. They both point to Jesus. But do you know what the difference was? The Old Testament sign was bloody. The New Testament sign is bloodless. You know why? Because Christ shed his blood once and for all, and there's no more need for the forgiveness of sins. Um, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Do you know what one of our biggest problems as Christians is? We refuse to believe the bad news, and we refuse to believe the good news of the gospel. We refuse to believe both the bad and the good. Did you hear what he said the bad news was? Remember, remember, he says, when you were dead. What were we like before we met Jesus? We were spiritually dead. We were unable to save ourselves when you were dead in your transgressions. Do you know what a transgression is? It's to step across a known boundary. And that was true of all of us and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Listen, we we're dead, we were guilty, we were helpless. Oh, but the good news, he made you alive together with him. Do you know how much Jesus loved you? He loved you so much he sent someone to share the gospel with you. But he didn't just send someone to share the gospel. He sent the Holy Spirit to raise you from the dead. He sent the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to unstop your ears, so you could understand the bad news of the gospel, our sin, so that you could understand the good news of the gospel. He was given to you to soften your heart so that you would say yes to Jesus and not no. And when you said yes, do you know what he did? Uh, he, can't, he has forgiven us all our transgressions. 
The moment we believe we are forgiven of all of our sins, past and present and future. Having canceled out the certificate of debt, we had a debt we couldn't pay consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Do you know what Romans would do when they crucified someone? They would put above the head of the person being crucified what the crime was that they were being put to death for. So remember when Jesus in Matthew 27, 37, and above his head they put up the charge against him, now imagine the two thieves would have had what thief and thief, but above Jesus, what was it? It was his identity, right? This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Um, when we look at the cross as Christians, we realize that our sin is so much worse than we ever imagined because we deserve what Jesus experienced. But when we look at the cross, we understand that Jesus' love is so much greater than we ever imagined because he was willing to die in our place once and for all, that Jesus could free us from sin and death and the devil. Verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Listen, this was a picture right out of the, the Roman Empire. You, you know what would happen when a general conquered a city? When a general conquered a city, then he would lead behind him all those that he had taken captive. And so when Jesus, when a dead man, when a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb, he, he brought with him sin that we were free. He brought with him death that we were set free. And he, and he showed that he had conquered the devil as well. Let me show you that. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, since we're flesh and blood, he himself all, likewise also partook of the same. How often do you just think about that? That the Jesus we love and the Jesus we followed actually lived here on earth. He lived on earth just like we do. Isn't that amazing? He also partook of the same. Why? That through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Well, Smiley, what does that mean? What does it mean that the devil has the power of death? Does that mean that he puts people to death? No, here's what it means. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. He is the devil. And what he loves to do is to tempt us. And when we sin, he loves to accuse us. You, you don't think you could be forgiven of that. And you know what he loves to do? He loves to remind us, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, so that people live in fear of death all the days of their lives. And then one day a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb. And because of that, we're forgiven. So when the devil reminds us, listen, you're a sinner, we say, you're right, but you know what? We're forgiven. And when the devil reminds us we're going to die, we say, yeah, we're going to die, but we're going to live forever because Jesus walked out of the grave and said we could too. So as we've walked through Colossians chapter 2, what have we seen? We've seen that Jesus frees us from sin. 
Uh, he frees us from the guilt of our sin and the power of sin. He frees us from death, death which is the penalty for sin, and he frees us from the devil. So what I'd like for us to do this week, it's a, it's a, it's a very fun action step. What I want us to do this week is to enjoy. Come on, wouldn't it be great if we smile more as Christians? Wouldn't it? Listen, if, I want us to enjoy our freedom, to enjoy our freedom from sin and death and the devil. I wish I could have, you could have been there with me when that kid was stuck in that fence and I reached and turned his head and he was set free. He was over the moon. And shouldn't we be? We were held captive by sin and death and the devil and Jesus has set us free. So I want to share with you a little bit about how we can enjoy this week freedom, our freedom from sin, okay? Uh, I don't know about you, but I fail a lot. Anybody else fail a lot? Yeah, I see a hand there. Thank you. And, and, and you know what the devil loves to do when I sin? And, and you call yourself a Christian and you do that. And you know what I do? You're right. You're right. I'm a sinner. But you know what? I have a great Savior. Listen, that's how I enjoy our freedom. And it's true. It's true that I'm a mess, but I have a great Savior. Oh, one of the verses that's such an encouragement to me is 1 Timothy 1.15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Do you notice what he said? He didn't say among, among whom I used to be, among whom I am. Can we talk? I've been a Christian for a long time. I've not made as much progress as I had imagined I would at this time. But there are two things, there are two things I am convinced of. Number one, I am a great sinner. Number two is I have a great Savior. And so when I fail and the accuser reminds me of my sin, I say, you're right, I'm a sinner. But you know what? I have a great Savior. Do you know how else I enjoy my freedom? When people come to me and they accuse me of something, do you know there's only two possibilities, isn't it? I mean, if someone accuses us of something, there's only two possibilities, right? If someone accuses me of something and it's true, then then listen, I enjoy my forgiveness because I can say, you know what, you're right. And I'm guilty of so much more. But I have a great Savior whose name is Jesus and I'm forgiven. Or someone could accuse me of something and it's not true. So what what could I say then? Well, listen, that's not true, but I want you to know I am guilty of far worse than that. But I want you to know I have a great Savior. His name is Jesus and I'm forgiven. I'm so thankful to be a Christian. You know why? I don't have to defend myself because I have a great Savior. And someone would say, Smiley, what about your reputation? If you're a Christian, you don't have a reputation. Did you realize that? If you're a Christian, you have no reputation because you've said, I am so rotten, my only hope for eternity is my Savior named Jesus, and that's so freeing. Listen, not only do I enjoy uh, my freedom from sin, but I get to offer that with others. I'm with people, and they share with me something they've done wrong and how guilty they feel. You know what I say? Me too. Me too. But you know what I found? I found forgiveness in Jesus. Wouldn't you like to have that too? Uh, Listen, I enjoy 
uh, our freedom from sin. How about our freedom from death? Um, the devil loves to remind me of, of that. I mean, I look in the mirror occasionally and it's scary because, you know, I'm old and, and I'm a pastor and I do a lot of funerals and the devil like, you're going to die too, you're going to die too. Um, you know how I deal with that? Every morning I get up and I have breakfast with Jesus, don't you? Do you know that Jesus knows my name? And he invites me to have breakfast with him? Who wouldn't want to have breakfast with Jesus? And so every morning when I have breakfast with Jesus and I'm praying, I always pray for, to me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. For to me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Jesus, I am so thankful to be a Christian. Because if I live today, it's all about you. It's about making much of you. And if I die, it even gets better. Are you a Christian? Aren't you thankful you can't lose? Because if you, lose, if you live as Jesus and if you die, it gets better. And every day, I picture that day because I remember the, 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 what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. Remember what he said? You do, right? He said what? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. How cool is that? As a Christian, we either get to do life with Jesus here or we get to be with him in paradise. We can't lose. So when the devil reminds me that I'm going to die, I say, you're right, I'm going to die. But the moment I die, I'm going to be with Jesus in paradise. <laughs> oh, man. Have you noticed the last couple of years, all this about COVID, have you noticed how many people are afraid of death? Have you? Isn't it the best time ever to be a Christian? Isn't it? Because we have something to share with others. When I see people who have a fear of saying, hey, listen, would you like to know how you can live forever? Would you like to learn how you can spend the rest of your life knowing that you can't lose because you, live, you win if you live and you win if you die? What a great time to be Christians. Oh, <clears throat> enjoy our freedom from sin, death, and, and the devil, and the devil. Uh, how do I enjoy that freedom? Now, if you ever listen to me, there's always two cliffs we can fall off of, okay? And when it comes to the devil, there's two cliffs. One cliff that a lot of Christians fall off of is they deny the devil exists. And, and, and listen, don't do that because if we do that, he's going to eat our lunch, okay? But the opposite cliff that other Christians fall off is they spend more time talking about the devil than they do about Jesus, they act as though the devil were Jesus' equal. And so this is where I live. This is where I live in 1 John 4.4. 4. This is so good. Are you discouraged? L listen to this. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If you're a Christian, Jesus has moved into you. He's greater than the devil, and he's freed us from sin and death and the devil. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He's greater than the devil. I meet so many Christians, and they're so defeated. Well, Smiley's just going to get worse and worse until Jesus comes back. I meet Christians. <laughs> They've given up. Listen, if you're a Christian, Jesus never tells us to, to run up a white flag and surrender. He never tells us to withdraw from the world and hide from the world. He says, go. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and preach the gospel. It's all about advancing. How can we advance? Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Well, let me show you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I mean, we have a mission. We're on earth, right? To, to go and make disciples and make disciples so the world can be reached. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 
Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We're involved in a battle. Um, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Christians aren't building fortresses and hiding from the world. Christians are going out into the world. And when we find fortresses, we tear them down with our supernatural weapons. Well, what are our weapons? We have the gospel, the power of God to save anyone who believes. What are our weapons? We have prayer to call for air support. What are our weapons? We have the Holy Spirit. What are our weapons? We have the church. We have spiritual gifts. (laughs) It's not a time for retreating. Listen to this. We are destroying speculations. We have the truth. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We share the gospel, trusting the Holy Spirit to take the gospel and tear down fortresses and set prisoners free. Oh, what a great time to be a Christian. So I want you to know that... I've shared with you how I enjoy uh, our freedom over, over sin, its guilt, and, and death, and, and uh, over the devil. But some of you are saying, Smiley, that's great and all, but what about sin's power? I mean, I've, I'm stuck in pornography. I, I, I'm stuck in bitterness. I'm stuck in anger. How do I experience freedom from, from sin's power? Let me tell you a story. A 460-pound man goes and, uh, to his pastor and says, I need help. I've tried everything. I've tried everything and it fails. And so the pastor said, here's what you need to do. I want you in the morning to put on some running shoes and I want you to be by your front door at seven o'clock in the morning. Seven o'clock in the morning, the doorbell rings. He opens the door and this guy looks out and there's this beautiful, petite young lady who says to him, Pastor said, if you catch me, you can kiss me. (laughs) Off she goes. And this 460-pound man is lumbering after her. He gets to the end of the driveway, and he's gasping for breath, and he's thinking he's going to have a heart attack. Next morning, 7 a.m., doorbell rings beautiful young lady there saying, pastor said, if you catch me, you can kiss me. And off she goes, and he's chasing her. For over two years, the same thing happens every morning. And as he chases this beautiful young lady, the pounds began to work off. And he goes from 460 pounds to under 200 pounds. And as he's losing weight, he's getting faster. And one day he almost caught her. And he said, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to catch her. Tomorrow I'm going to kiss her. Puts on his running shoes, so excited, doorbell rings, opens the door. There's a 320 pound woman who says to him, Pastor said, if I catch you, I can kiss you. (laughs) And off they go. And you say, okay, well, Smiley, what does that have to do with anything? Here's how it applies. When that 460-pound man went to the pastor and said, uh, uh, I need help, if he had just said, quit eating so much, exercise self-control, 
get out there and exercise, how effective do you think that would have been? How effective? It wouldn't have, right? Because what he needed, what he needed was something more beautiful and more attractive than the choices he was already making. The only way we'll ever be set free from sin is through something more beautiful and uh, more attractive. That is the expulsive power of a new and greater affection. I want to share with you what set me free from so many sins and will set you free too. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. The greatest way to overcome sin is to be overwhelmed with the love of Christ. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Do you want freedom from sin's power? Look at Jesus 10 times. Look at Jesus 10 times for every time you look at your sin and you'll find that the love of Christ frees you from those things you could never be freed from through your own self-effort. Huh. What have we learned? What have we learned today? That Jesus frees us from, from sin and death and the devil. And so our assignment this week, it's going to be a great week. You know why? Because our assignment is to enjoy, to enjoy our freedom from sin, death, and the devil. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that when we were stuck in our sin, when we were dead in our sins, that you came, you lived a perfect life, you died, you rose so that we could have eternal life. Thank you. And Jesus, we're thankful that you send people to share the gospel and send your Holy Spirit to draw us to you. And, and maybe you're here and you've never believed in Jesus. If, if today's the day you've understood the gospel and you'd like eternal life, you'd like to go to bed tonight knowing you're forgiven, you'd like to know you're freed from sin and death and the devil, Jesus is here. Won't you say to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior. And forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or tell someone. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who have believed in you, all of you who have invited you in as Savior and Lord, that this week we would enjoy our freedom, that we would enjoy that we're forgiven, and we'd share with others how they could be forgiven. Lord, that we would enjoy freedom from sin. Help us to look at you 10 times for every time we look at sin, and Lord, lead us out of our sin. And as you lead us out, help us to offer that to others. Lord, this week when we're reminded that we're going to die, may we rejoice that we're going to live forever. And as we see others who are filled with fear, help us to share with them how they can live forever. Lord, help us this week to enjoy freedom over the devil. Help us to remember that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name.